Welcome to the Expert Speak, a service of the Florida Psychiatric Society. I'm Abby Strauss, and thanks for listening. No one challenges the fact that tobacco use is one of the great public health problems in the world. Likewise, no one doubts that all the devices to help people stop using tobacco are not easy to complete, and all of them are very often not successful. But some people are successful. One device and non-pharmaceutical method that keeps popping up is hypnosis. So it's important that we take a look at this, and over time, we will also look at other methods to stop cigarette smoking as well. Robert Heller is a psychologist in Palm Beach County in Florida, and he does hypnotherapy, and he's kind enough to join us today to talk about hypnosis and stopping tobacco use. Thank you for being with us. My pleasure. In August 2011, a newspaper article in San Francisco spoke about how Bruce Bocci, the giant manager, used hypnosis to successfully stop smoking. Give us, please, an overview of hypnosis, what it is, where it came from, so we understand what you're talking about. So hypnosis is a tool that therapists use to enhance therapy, to improve motivation, concentration, focus, attention. And so it's a way to facilitate change in the way that people think, feel, and behave. As a result of that, it oftentimes is an effective tool in an overall treatment approach to many habits, including smoking. That's what's so interesting because we all see nicotine addiction as the same as an addiction to cocaine or alcohol, marijuana, whatever, and yet you're using verbal techniques to offset something that we are unable to fix with medications. Now, this is not new to psychiatry because cognitive therapy is very good with anxiety and many other things as well. But tell us, what does it do? Is it just the power of unconscious suggestion that you are triggering in a person who's smoking? How do you approach someone who comes to you and says, Doctor, I need to stop smoking. Let's use hypnosis. First, we need to evaluate with the person the reasons that they smoke because smoking meets various needs that a person has. Most people don't particularly enjoy many aspects of smoking. For example, the smoke itself is very unappealing to many people. In fact, I often make this offer to clients. I'll say, look, let's suppose you haven't smoked in a while and you feel you have a desperate need for a cigarette. And I say, sorry, I don't have a cigarette, but in my bathroom, I have a machine that's billowing forth streams of smoke. By all means, you're invited to go into the bathroom and breathe in as much of that smoke as you would like. How do you feel about that? And almost invariably, they grimace and they say, no, that won't do it. That's not particularly appealing to me. So the idea that people are motivated to smoke for the effect of the smoke itself in most cases is is small. People smoke for many different and varied reasons. My main focus then is to identify as many of those core reasons as possible. And then I address those first in a conversational tone and then apply it in terms of hypnosis. A lot of people will often use the term, it's a nervous habit. And you'll see people fidget with pens and plastic cigarettes and that sort of thing. I remember the old analytic folks would talk about oral satisfaction, putting something in your mouth. The smoke that you use in the bathroom, the the analogy rather. So it's not the nicotine so much apparently, it's the discomfort or the, the foul smell of the smoke that even turns them off. It's interesting. Some people will smoke in spite of their distaste for the smoke or they'll accommodate to the smoke. But the smoke in itself isn't particularly enjoyable or gratifying to 
most clients. As you say, oftentimes it's the ability to relax or to get away from stress or anxiety. Years ago, what was the most common thing in the office? A time for a break. And the office break was typically a smoking break. So smoking became associated with a relaxation, a time, a break away from work. People will often say that they're addicted to the cigarette, but now you're bringing up the notion that maybe they're addicted to something more than just the nicotine. Interestingly, some people are and do become addicted to nicotine, but quite a few do not. So just because someone is smoking or has smoked many packs a day for many years, interestingly, a percentage of them have no problems when they stop smoking with nicotine withdrawal. And that brings up a really interesting thing because maybe that's why the gum and the patch fail so much because people are not really addicted to the nicotine per se as much to other aspects. Interesting. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. Can you go so far as to say that nicotine use or smoking, we'll use it in, more general, in a more general manner, there's a conditioned response to the act of smoking? Oh, yes. Yes. Many people will tell you they're not even aware a certain part of the time when they go for a cigarette. It becomes an automatic habit associated with many behaviors in their life. So when they pick up the phone to receive a call or to make a call, they're accustomed to while they're listening or talking, having a cigarette. When they have their breakfast or their orange juice or read the paper, they're accustomed to having a cigarette while they're doing it. So it becomes a conditioned response, something that they don't necessarily need, but that they're just so used to that they psychologically convince themselves of the need for it. So then what happens now? What happens? You learn all these things and you take them into a hypnotic state what do you do with them while they're under hypnosis? What do you tell them? What's the process? I think people don't understand it. They just see what's on television. They have really no idea. First of all, when someone comes into the office, we do an evaluation and we talk with them and we figure out what their goals are, what their issues are, why they smoke, what their experience has been in stopping smoking before, what their motivations are for wanting to stop smoking what their beliefs and expectations are about their ability to stop smoking, what their knowledge or awareness is of hypnosis. A lot of times we have to disabuse people of what they have seen on television, which oftentimes is a stage hypnotist. So they are in conflict because a lot of times they don't want to have a sense of loss of control. They don't want to be made to think that they're going to be embarrassed in any way. So we have a discussion about what hypnosis is and what it's not and how we'll use it. And then we customize it based on person's preferences. So in hypnosis for smoking cessation, some people prefer an authoritative direct approach. Some people prefer a more indirect permissive approach. For example, a direct approach might focus on suggestions of you will no longer smoke cigarettes after today. You will lose all interest and desire. It will be very unattractive to you and so on. As opposed to a more permissive approach, which invites the person to review their reasons for wishing to stop smoking and to encourage them in terms of their ability to do so, which may come from their history. For example, they may have stopped engaging in other negative habits in their life through their own efforts or through other certain strategies they've learned or developed. And so we just reconnect them to their own abilities in those cases. 
how long is a, if there is, a typical hypnotic session? Is it a half hour, an hour, 10 minutes? What would people expect? It's more a process. Usually the first session is evaluation. Second session is usually then an orientation to what hypnosis is and answering their questions about it and giving them a little bit of education about it. Then exposing them to how to relax, how to get into a comfortable state where their body relaxes and their mind begins to focus. So the relaxation phase or the induction phase is the first part of the process. Then we develop collaboratively the kinds of suggestions that we might want to use. Direct approach, the indirect approach, focusing in on the benefits of quitting smoking or the problems that they'll have if they continue smoking, essentially activating whatever the motivations are for the client. Then typically in the third session, it's actually the main treatment session that lasts anywhere from 30 to 45 minutes. We start with a deep relaxation and then basically a programming in of the suggestions that we've already decided on. Then the fourth session is typically a follow-up to see how they're doing, fine-tune any difficulties or problems that they might be having, and if they're not, then we might just have a strengthening or reinforcement session. And then depending on how things go, that might be the end of it for many clients. Is there any correlation that you've seen in your practice or perhaps in the literature between the level of smoking, the number of packs per day, the number of years that it's been used, and how many sessions or how successful hypnosis is? You would think there would be, but my experience is that there are other factors that seem to determine outcome and success, not the least of which is the hypnotizability of the individual. So hypnosis is, to some degree, a talent and innate skill that a person has. We all have it on a continuum, but those who are more highly hypnotizable, meaning they have a tremendous ability to absorb and to concentrate and to focus and to imagine they tend by far to be the most successful when they're motivated and when they're working with a skilled hypnotherapist. Is it harder for the person who is the type A, hard-driven, obsessive, controlling person to stop smoking, or am I being too simplistic? If you can channel, if you can first identify those characteristics and channel those abilities into their motivation and into their own sense of empowerment and control, then not necessarily. It goes back again to the notion of how hypnotizable are they and how motivated are they? What's their expectations and how skilled is the hypnotherapist in bringing that all together? I read, why does a smoker need hypnotism? And the answer was, and I'm paraphrasing a bit here, actually not reading it word for word, what this means is that as soon as you eliminate the feeling of tension that compels you to put cigarettes into your mouth for relaxation and pleasure, and that's part of what hypnotism does, it breaks, it keeps you in the mood, so to speak, to quit. It maintains that mood. That's fantastic. It's a great notion. Am I correct in saying that? Some people may have a propensity towards using cigarettes because of the kinesthetic feel or pleasure it provides them. And so for those people that have those motivations, creating alternative ways to have that sensation can be beneficial. But other people, that's not a very significant part of why they smoke, and so oftentimes that doesn't need to be addressed. What about age groups? 
Is there much difference between the teenager who has just started smoking and someone who's 50 or 60 years old and has been smoking for decades? It would seem to me developmentally the reasons and rationale for giving up smoking would be different in an elderly population versus a young population. An elderly population is more likely going to give it up because they've been diagnosed with some medical condition or health condition or they want to avoid developing such a condition. Whereas younger smokers have less of a concern. Adolescents typically see themselves as impervious to those kinds of health hazards or risks. They just don't connect with the dangers. The motivation because is different. The motivation is lower because the health hazards are far in the future. Then it's not an immediate cause and effect. Do you advise people when they go through hypnosis to try to stop smoking that they also use one of the nicotine patches or gums or things like that? Is that an issue? It depends on the person. The person is usually the one to, to bring it up. And part of the assessment, I ask them if they've tried to stop smoking before. Oftentimes, many people have. And then I go into, and what was it like for you? And depending on the level of withdrawal they have or not, then a discussion of nicotine patches or other kinds of drugs might follow. If they're really not having much of a problem with any of the withdrawal effects from the nicotine, then it's really not an issue. One of the things that keeps coming up is they'll say, oh yes, I know I need to stop, there's no question, but as soon as this particular job is finished or this particular challenge is finished, then I'm going to stop. So they associate less stress in their life with the ability to stop the cigarettes. This dovetails perfectly with what you said at the beginning, that you have to look at the reason. When someone goes in to be detoxed from cocaine, it's easy enough to just detox them from the cocaine physiologically, but it's the motivation to use the cocaine that's the issue. That seems to be what you're working for. The question keeps coming into my mind, is how much of this is used in other addictions, or are we talking about a different type of addiction? Both. One of the things that comes to mind is, in general, other addictions are associated with other kinds of treatments. So that what comes to mind for most people, and even professionals, if they are addicted to drugs or alcohol, is, well, you should go to a treatment center, not a private person, typically. For the whole program. But for a program. You need a program. And most programs are geared towards an AA or a 12-step model. So that becomes the centerpiece or the focus of treatment. And I'm not even aware if or to what degree hypnosis is used as an adjunct in those programs. I suspect not very often. There's less awareness, there's less access that hypnosis is a viable a treatment component. And that's another important distinction. For hardcore drugs, oftentimes there is significant more pathology and problems involved with the individuals, whereas sometimes in smoking it can be a more discreet habit. The person is having less problems in their life other than the smoking. So it becomes a more discreet area or issue that can be worked on. They're more psychologically healthy compared to those poor folks to get in the downward spiral with the heavy drugs. Mm -hmm. Interesting. The question people always ask, how successful is it? People want to know, I'll do hypnosis if it's successful. How successful is it? Or is it not successful in those cases because they weren't selected properly for the hypnosis? 
when you do a literature search on it and you look at what studies have been done and reported and recognize that most of the people who come to treatment and who are successful or not is not reported in the literature. No, that's true. Okay. But where it has, where studies have been conducted, one author worked with 226 individual clients and used a particular approach and largely worked with them on a one-session basis and reported a success rate one week following treatment of 53%. Very good. Okay. Now, that reduced over a period of time. So at the end of two years follow-up, it had gone down to a success rate of 23%. Still pretty good. Okay. It is still pretty good. And if in the worst-case scenario... It worked for two years, and then a person needed to come in for a follow-up or a refresher, and then it worked again for another two years. It's not a bad approach or a strategy or investment of time or money. This is really interesting, and it raises so many essential questions. And if someone is having difficulty stopping the use of tobacco, they should consider hypnosis. They should listen to what you have to say about looking at the other reasons that they're using tobacco. In there may lie the answers of how to go about just well, I'm going to say stopping it, reducing it's better than not. What I love, especially in people who are highly hypnotizable, it's a no-brainer for them to try it okay? because it can facilitate and enhance treatments. And you know pretty early on, in one or two sessions, you can tell to what degree it's going to add to the overall effectiveness of the treatment. Robert Heller is a psychologist in Palm Beach County in Florida. He does hypnotherapy. Sir, thank you very much for taking us on a walk of an area that I think people know of but really know very few statistics. Thank you so much. My pleasure.